Welcome to this week's episode of Time Added On, Tom. Uh, how are you? The sun is out. It feels like spring is just around the corner. Um, yeah, lovely weekend. No football. Yeah. Weird Forest playing on a Friday night. I quite like it in a way. I don't know. I didn't like it. I'm a man of habit, you know. Um, but uh, the sun being out, I mean, oh, I thought we're almost there, aren't we? We're almost to the point where uh, you get uh, tits like me walking around with no top on. Um, no, it was, it was a like... weird one today, mate. I must admit, I had a, a balmy trip out to the supermarket. It's all you can do in it, really. And I went out in just a hoodie, jeans, gazelles. And then, yeah, it was a bit of a weird combination of me going out thinking it's fairly uh, spring-type weather and then other people going out in big coat, woolly hats. It was, uh, yeah, it's that confusing time of year. But let's not, it, it's a confusing time of year from a weather point of view. We're coming into crunch time from a football point. This is where we get to the um, to the business end of the season now. Thirteen games to go. Um, it's been a huge week for for us, and obviously we talked about it at length last week and the week before. Um, games against Rotherham and Derby this week, and we intimated, didn't we, that that once we got to this point, that we would have a better idea of how the season's going to play out. And to come through both of those games this week undefeated, I mean that is that is massive for for Chris Hutton and Forrest. They'll be um, I think mean, they'll 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 breathe a sigh of relief um, this weekend, but obviously we'll talk about the games. But they probably could have and should have got more out of them. But still, an impressive run continues, and um, yeah, they were they were they were well worth the points they picked up this week. Yeah, they're the kind of fixtures which, given the run of form that Forest have been on over the last well since twenty twenty one began, really, um, they're the kind of games that if Forest had bottled it. It kind of would have undone all of that hard work that they've put in before, but they've they've topped it off. Uh, you know, uh, like you said, they, they possibly could have got um, six points out of six from those last two, um, which obviously we'll go on to talk about. But the fact that they got four points, I think, is vital to to Forest season, like you said. And um, I think we do now have a much better idea of kind of how the rest of this season is going to play out and what the end product is going to be. I mean, we, we spoke about the kind of different qualities that Forrest are going to have to show as we go into this business end of the season. And the one against Rotherham, I think, was a really good sign for me because it's two very different teams they've come up against in this last week um, and the way that they like to approach games. And it's, that's the championship. Like, I know sometimes people want us to play tippy-tappy nice football all the time. Unfortunately, the division we're in doesn't allow you to do that. Um, I'm sure if 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 we could, then we would. But the division and the quality that we have just doesn't allow us to do that. So it was really good to see the different qualities. Um, some of it, you know, we've spoken about with Banda Drum probably over the last couple of weeks with regards to substance over style and seeing some of that style. And I think this week again showed that we're definitely a team built around substance now. But there is some some glimpses of of style coming through again. From a points perspective, obviously, we, we've now extended our gap from, from the seven points uh, to the bottom three to 11, just across the last week. Um, so we're sat on 40 points with 13 games left to play. Obviously, that 11-point gap is back to, to Rotherham, who have got two games in hand. So we do have to caveat that. But 40 points to 13 to play, 50 being the magic number you would think um, to stay in the division. So 10 points required. Forest in a lot more comfortably than what they were a few weeks ago. Now you would, um, we, we, you were, you've always been fairly confident. To be fair, I, I was getting a little bit, and still, like I say we're not out of the woods yet. But 
we yeah, I was getting a little bit nervous at one point. I'm not going to lie to you, but are we now? You know, we're now hopeful that we um, we can see this season out. We we should really be looking up rather than behind at the minute. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, I've always been as cool as a cucumber. Uh, these kind of things don't phase me. <laughs> these things don't phase me, you know. These kind of things, but I mean, it just the the team has a different feel to it. It doesn't feel no. similar at all to, let's say, we go back a few seasons under Mark Warburton, who obviously took took over halfway through the season, and um, and it went to the last day, and we stayed up on goal difference. It's never had that same feeling about it because because I think. Well, A, because the quality of the squad on paper is far better. Um, and B, because I just think that Hewton has got um, built the platform of they, they know how to do the basics sometimes because of confidence and the rub of the green. Those basics don't always go to plan, but um, the basics are generally there. So, I mean, I've always been pretty calm about it. Are, you know, are we sitting more comfortably? Uh, 100%. I mean, I think we said just then this week would give us an idea of what, what the rest of the season is going to, what that's going to bring for Forest. I think, um, I think it will be just continuing to build and progress for next season. Um, like you said, we're not, we're not out of it. We're not. We're I'm not always one. hesitant when it comes to Forest, and uh, yeah, I mean, we're <laughs> we, we've had our fingers crossed <laughs> so many times, but, I agree. Look, we, we, we did say, and we, we kicked off this podcast saying that that, that very thing again. But yeah, I, I, I think now is the time, you know, if Forrest can finish mid-table, but top half mid-table, so around that kind of 11th, 12th mark, that would be a very impressive turnaround under Chris Hutton in terms of how it went through his, you know, for his first couple of months in, in, in the job. And obviously... You know, we all thought that this squad was better than it probably was on paper, but I think the upheaval in the summer, this squad just needed time, and you and you can see now that the the, the team is gelling. There there are far less changes week week in week out, which is obviously helping build the understanding across the team. They're playing; they can do a bit of everything, right? At the minute, they can grind out results when they need to grind out results, but they're also starting to play some good stuff at times as well, and. I think it's a real good balance. And, and I think um, they touched it on, on Sky on Friday night. I still think there's a lot more to come from this team. I don't think this run is, is the peak. And I think we need to caveat it, don't we, that Forest have done really well in recent weeks. And, and thank God they have, because that run against Wickham, Coventry, Rotherham, Derby, even Blackburn, if Forest hadn't have done well, we'd be having a very, very different conversation. And, and I think that, the, the the squad and the team the, the the management team deserve a hell of a lot of credit for that because to to go and win those games in that run under that pressure that that takes some balls right and we've seen teams in a red shirt before kind of succumb to that pressure um they're in a really really good place and but they are about to come under quite a you know an intense run again, as we faced earlier in the season, where you play a lot of those teams in around the top six. So that'll be an interesting marker as to how far we've come and, and what and what the progress of this team going into next season would look like. Um, but I don't think we should lose heart across that period if results tend to re- reverse, if you like, and we're not winning every week because that that will be a test, but that will be a good test for them. But certainly, the, this this team and this squad now is in a much better place than what it was three months ago. Um, the points tally and the the table tells you that, doesn't it? 
Yeah, well, I, I think I think you know this last run of games has shown one thing in terms of um, they, you know, they can hold their nerve, the experience within the squad, and also Chris Hughton and his management and his coaching team, but also the players' game management. Um, and tactically, they've got this last run of game spot on because it could have been quite easy to have um, fallen down and, and get head back in those games, but they didn't. But, um, you know, this next run of games will now be a kind of, it will show potentially how we've progressed against some of the better teams in the division and also give us a bit of a taste of where where we are. You know how how much more do we need to improve for next season to to potentially be in a far better better position than than what we've done this season. So this next run of games is is going to be really difficult. There's no doubt about it. But I think Chris Hewton and and the players will see it more of an opportunity as we're better than what we've shown for the rest of the season. And you know this this is a warning for for next season. So I think it'll be really interesting this this next run of games. I think it, we won't you know this run of form will will come to an end. Um, but I certainly don't see Forest getting. I don't see them rolling over as such. No, they come into this they come into this run against these these you know the top six sides in a very different place to what they did last time around, and it's not a free hit. And and I would I would avoid using that that phrase um, because obviously Forrest still needs to pick up points, right? If, if Forrest were to, to kind of go on a six, seven game run of defeats, then obviously the outlook would look, would change again. So it, they, they don't get a free hit if you like, but I think the midweek game against Luton is crucial to those run of games as well. If they can pick three points up against Luton, they can go into it and they can give it a good crack, right? They can go and have a good go at those teams and, and as you say, I think they'll they'll go into it. They'll be confident. They'll, they've performed well in the last few weeks against the likes of Swansea. Should have beaten Swansea at Swansea. Um, Bournemouth handled a good Bournemouth side really well, kept them at arm's length. So they won't be fearful uh, of those teams. And, and as I say, they're not all away from home as well. So Norwich coming to the city ground, they, they'll know they'll be in for a tough, tough ride. Um, I'm really intrigued, actually, now to see the progress and, and see how we get on against those sides um, because they, they've earned that now after the run of games against the teams in and around us to, to, to kind of go and, and pitch themselves against it. Shall we, um, shall we review the, the, the week that was then, if you like? And I, I think when we sat here last week, we were, we, we were obviously buoyant off the back of a good win against Blackburn. But I think we, we, there was an undertone that we were slightly nervous going into this week. Um, because there were they were two massive games, right? And there were two massive games in in a short space of time. Um, and we, we, you know, we we knew what what two good results and two good performances would mean for this season. First up, obviously Rotherham, and we had, to, we had a trip to New York to face Rotherham, uh, tough Rotherham side. We, we we don't really win there, Tom, do we? I think the last time we won there was. Uh, 2002, I think Jack Lester got the, the winning goal at the old Millmore ground, which was a, a horrible, horrible place. To go. I don't know if did you ever go to Millmore? I never went to Millmore. Oh, we, we we both went to school in Rotherham. We did, unfortunately, um, mate. Yeah, you had to bring that up, didn't you? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's never pleasant football or not. The old Millmore, the old Millmore ground. Was awful. I went there probably two or three times to watch Forest, and it was a dreadful, dreadful place to go. Um, really, really grim uh, place to go. So, 
Nice new stadium. I've never actually been to the New York Stadium. Um, I have for a pre-season friendly, actually. Um, I think we lost. I can't remember. It's probably, wrong. mate. We don't win it at Rotherham. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. <laughs> exactly. We don't win at Rotherham. That's just said that. Dickhead. Well, your stats don't include pre-season. No, they don't. Do no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not as good are. at the, the stats as you, Tom. I'll, I'll leave the stat pack to you. But um, look, Rotherham came into this one, obviously off the back of three defeats against, albeit kind of, Cardiff, Bournemouth, Norwich, so teams in and around the, the top six. Cardiff absolutely flying. That's another story completely. Didn't see that one coming at all. Mick McCarthy going in there. So we knew it was going to be, we knew it was going to be a battle, right? Rotherham away, Tuesday night. It's not a glamour tie. It's going to be a battle. Chris Hewitt knew that. His team selection suggested, suggested as much. Obviously, Yates in for Garner, harsh on Garner, but you can see why. Bong in for Ribeiro and Freeman in, in for Martin. No real surprises. We suggested that Myton probably wouldn't start at Rotherham. Uh, didn't feel like the right type of game for him. And Yates, he coming in for Garner. As I say, Garner's been outstanding um, since he joined on loan. But, I mean, it was a game absolutely made for, for Ryan Yates when it Tuesday night. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Twitter was in uproar because um, of Yates coming in. Um, and, you know, I've made it clear as day that um, I'm not his, his biggest of fans at, at times. But I know what he offers and I know what, what what positive aspects he has to his game. And that Rotherham game was perfect because it was always going to be a battle. The midfielders that they have in Crooks, who plays just off the striker, um, it, it was the perfect game for him to show what he can do. Because the one thing you can't doubt about Ryan Yates is he will, he will, put, he will graft. You know, he will he will put a shift in, and he will he'll put his head in the way of anything. anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, it, it was the perfect opportunity for him. I can see this this game didn't need much style; it needed the substance. And and Garner out for Yates, I thought was a superb decision by Hewton. Even though I love James Garner, I think he's been brilliant since he's he's come in. I thought it was tactically a smart decision as well as Bong being on um, left back rather than a more attacking, flary kind of left back and Ribeiro and Martin, you know, I, I just don't think that kind of game, no. he would have suited it anyway. And with his inexperience, I think um, regardless of what your opinions are of Freeman so far, I thought, I thought all three of them were very smart decisions. Yeah, definitely. Look, tactically, Chris Hewton got it 100% spot on. And, and uh, yeah, Twitter was, was in uproar before kickoff, but, in, in, in look, you know, looking back, you, you cannot fault any one of those decisions. I think it worked perfectly. Might and might and swap, as I say, we, we predicted. I think everyone probably would have been uh, predicting that one. You only have to look at how um, Knockart fared against Wes Harding on Tuesday night in terms of every time Knockart got anywhere near it, the first thing they were trying to do is, is, is basically chop him off at the knees and, and, uh, and stop him from playing. And, and I don't think that game would have suited Mighton one bit. So, tactically, I think Chris Hewton got it absolutely spot on. Um, it was awful, wasn't it? The first 20 minutes of that match was just awful. In terms of the weather, obviously, didn't help. There was kind of a, a gusting, there's a massive like, gusting wind. The pitch was rock hard. The ball was bouncing all. It was swirling around. It was just, the first 20 minutes was not one. For, for purists, obviously Rotherham used their long throw whenever they got the chance, they lobbed it into the box. That's all they were going to do. They were going to pump it in the box as quickly as they could. 
and Forrest had to stand up and, and, and stay stay strong and match them physically. I think that's what pleased me most about this whole game in reality. Um, but certainly what, what pleased me about the opening exchanges is that, that Forrest did match them and, and they matched them in, in every aspect of the pitch in terms of that physical battle. They were, weren't afraid to get tackles in. They weren't afraid to kind of, to, to, to say, to, to go shoulder to shoulder. Um, it was a really, really strong platform that, that then allowed them after that opening 20 minutes for Forrest then to take control of the game and, and earn the right to play. And, and don't get me wrong, they didn't all of a sudden 20 minutes in turn into Brazil, but they did need to fight and earn that right. And obviously from then onwards, Forrest were able to get the ball down and actually play some some okay stuff given the conditions. Um, I thought Forrest played played quite well um, throughout the first half and the second half. Um, but that opening 20 minutes, as I say, really set them up. Uh, they showed that they weren't going to be bullied by Rotherham. Yeah, and um, it goes back to what we were saying before. Sometimes in the Championship, you get these kind of games regardless of how well you want to play. Sometimes you, you will come into these bat- battling games. Um, and Forrest, Forrest stood up to it. You know, Forrest matched it. Um, Chris Hutton knew that that's what was going to happen and, and that's what they did so yeah I mean I, I think that's a testament to, to Ryan Yates and, and Cafu in the centre but also you're the likes of Kravinovic who I thought was fantastic who can, can play in those kind of games but also show his, his flair, his, his quality on the ball um, and the likes of Christie as well really stood up in this game it could have been a game that he quite easily could have been bullied um, but he he stood up and and showed his quality in this game and why why he he is rated. So um, yeah, I think I think Forrest matched it perfectly well, um, and certainly did not get bullied. Whatsoever. Well, Kravinovic and Christie obviously they they had the chances first half for Forrest. So Kravinovic with the half volley, Christie with a with a with a so close like cutting him on his left foot and obviously just went wide of the post. I thought that was going to bounce in and, and just creep inside the post and beat the keeper. And then knockout force and a cracking save just on half time with the free kick. But you mean you, you didn't really feel like Forrest were any danger in that in that first half other than the fact to say um there were a lot of aerial balls going into the box but the whole back four but certainly Worrell and Figueredo stood up to everything in the first half. And you just you just hope that Forrest would then be able to get that chance and take that advantage in, in the second half. It, I mean, it, it's fair to say their keeper, uh, Johansson, had an absolute... I mean, he had a cracking night, as I say. The free kick just on half-time that he tipped round the post. Um, and he made a couple of great saves second half. I mean, there was the one from the Murray header, albeit I think Murray was offside if it had gone in, but keeper didn't know that. Unbelievable save. Um, and then obviously he tips away the, the chance that Knockout had when he kind of cut inside. So, I mean, they faced the keeper who was who was um, who was on a decent bit of form when you know coming into the Rotherham side. It was um, yeah they had to kind of bide their time because um, yeah he was on inspired form. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he was he he had a cracking game. There, there's no other anything else to add to that really. He was he was fantastic, and it was obviously. Always going to take a, a lot for Forrest to score, and in a game which which um, wasn't renowned for possession or quality on the ball. I mean, there was only 174 completed passes in the first half from both teams combined, and that's in comparison to let's say uh, you get look at the first half versus Blackburn. There was 318 
and uh, go to Swansea, there was 480. So it certainly wasn't a game where you could get possession and get on the ball and create a lot of opportunities. But it was always going to take something in that game, uh, either of top, top quality or something rather lucky or scruffy to, to get to get a goal. Um, especially well, it was a mixture of both, Tom. It was a mixture of both. It was a little bit lucky and scruffy from the from the knockdown, from the cross that came in. Obviously, came off Figueroa. looked like he was being hauled to the ground, to be fair. Um, bounced off Figueroa into the path of Yatesy. And what a finish. Uh, it's fair to say the finish was fairly scruffy as well in terms of hit it into the ground, went in the back of the net. No one cares. It went in the back of the net. If he'd have hit it cleanly, there is a suggestion, obviously, the keeper might have got it if he'd have smashed it straight. Straight, nice and true. But he didn't. Um, Hint of offside in the goal, Tom. There's two, is there? Oh, well, yeah. There's two potential offsides, and when I say potential, it should have been. Um, but look, that's, you know, they're the kind of decisions that Forrest, due to where they are um, in the table, have been on the wrong end of for, for a majority of the season. So it was nice to see Forrest getting a little bit of the rub of the green, actually, in terms of. In, in that respect. But, I mean, Forrest, in my opinion, did have the better chances anyway, regardless of the, the lack of quality in the game. Forrest did have the, the clear chances and, and I thought deserved a goal. So, deserve um, a bit of luck, Tom. Yeah. Like, look at that Swansea game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know you make your own luck, if you like. Well, they made their luck and, and they took it in. It was it was a good finish. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't yards offside. You, you can, you know, it was marginal, but it was offside. But Forrest reduced some luck. I think in front of goal certainly as well. So Forrest will, Forrest will take that. And I mean, after that, mate, they had a couple of other good chances. They Taylor looked really lively when he came on midweek. Obviously, he had a cracking chance to 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 score. Beats his man, goes one on one, takes a touch, and just puts it wide of the post. And you thought that was a chance just to just to bury the game. And, and you hope that Forrest wouldn't rue those missed chances like they've done previously. And my God. They nearly did, Tom, didn't they? The uh, Dapo. I mean, how did he miss that? He, he found thin air when it was. It looked easier to score from close range, and then obviously the header against the bar in injury time. Um, I mean, it would have been here we go again. Um, but obviously, Forrest held on for the three points. But yeah, it was heart in mouth. It was heart in mouth moments in that last kind of five minutes. Yeah, that Ladapo one. I mean, he's probably still thinking about it now. Like, how did he? How did he miss miss that? I mean, um, yeah, I mean, Forrest, they were always going to come under some pressure. Rotherham weren't just going to accept defeat. They've, they've had a few bad results before that game and they, you know, obviously need to stop the rot before um, before they're, they're down and out, if you like. Um, so they were always going to come on against, come on stronger at, at the end of the game once Forrest um, had taken the lead. But, I mean, Ladapo, I don't know how, how he misses it. Um, but look, Forrest got away with it. Um, and just to touch on Lyle Taylor that you said that, I thought you were superb. And I think that's that's partly due to him probably adjusting his game slightly now to, to kind of suit. He's probably seen what Glenn Murray's doing. And look, he's trying to adjust his game slightly to suit suit what Hewton wants and needs from that lone striker. So I liked I liked what he brought when he came on. He, he ran around, he got onto loose balls. Um he did it all the all the hard work really, um, so I thought, yeah, he did. Really I I agree. I agree with you in terms of I think balance of overall play. I'd say Forrest deserved the three points. Yes, they were a bit fortunate with the goal. 
they definitely had the best chances of the night. And, um, and yeah, all right, again, they rode their luck in the last five minutes. But I think Forrest deserved to take the three points. They were due a little bit of luck, um, especially, you know, some of the games that they've had in recent weeks that have gone against them. I mean, I mean credit to, to, to Paul Warren, the Rotherham boss. I thought he spoke really well before and after the game. Didn't bemoan that the, the, the goal... Suggested that obviously Forrest were the better side and deserved to win, and I just thought he spoke really well. I think as a you know as a Rotherham fan, I think I'd be delighted if he was if he was your gaffer. He, um, I mean, he, he set that Rotherham team up to to perform in a way that obviously gets the best out of them. And obviously they've they've you know they they're no mugs, and you know they'll still be a tough act. And you know they obviously they lost yesterday home to Reading, which would have been a difficult. Uh, result for them to swallow, but they'll keep fighting right to the end, Rotherham, and and the teams in around that bottom three have just got to be wary, especially with the, the the two games in hand that they've that they've got. But I mean, it's a huge three points for us. I mean, it's as good as six points. We talk about an old six pointer, but it was as good as it was as good as six points in terms of moving clear of Rotherham and clear of the bottom three. Um, it, it felt, I think, on Tuesday night, it felt like a big result as well. At the end of that, um, I think Chris Hughes kind of alluded to it as well. It was you almost just just bought you a little bit of breathing space going into Derby. So let's talk about Friday then. Uh, trip down the A52 to play the arch rivals Derby. Um, it's the first East Midlands Derby without fans in the ground, and as I say, it's it's those nights and it's a weird feeling. It's those nights where you feel the impact the most of fans not being in the ground. You can only imagine the atmosphere. And we've obviously been in that away end more times than I care to remember at, uh, at Pride Park. And um, you can only imagine the atmosphere on Friday night would have been electric. Oh, 100%. I mean, Pride Park, I mean, the atmosphere is probably not affected as much at Pride Park as it is at the city ground for these kind of games. But yeah, I think these games are definitely the ones that are affected the most. I mean, obviously, we're going to start talking about the result a bit more, but, I mean, the way that things could have been swung and certain decisions and and kind of, it didn't feel like a, a typical Derby Forest match, you know. Um, it, it certainly would have been bouncing two teams that are in good form, um, you know, both kind of, usually there's one team doing really well, one near the bottom, but this is both teams who are essentially trying to stop each other's good run of form and try and get them into trouble as the season comes to a close. Um, it would have been great, but yeah, um, these are the kind of games that, that lose out the most, I think, without those those fans in the stadium. Definitely, and as you say, you touched it there, both both sides come into the game in, or came into the game with a, in a good run of form. It's mad. It was madness to think that a win for Forest would have taken us to twelve. Obviously, a win for Derby would have propelled them above us. It had so much on it, given where the both teams have been all season in terms of knocking around that kind of bottom uh, echelons of the table. Fearful, obviously, kind of constantly looking over our shoulders and just trying to outdo each other. It had, it, it had a game that it was a game that meant so much because it always means a lot, right? Against Derby, it doesn't matter whether fans are in the ground or not in the ground. It's Yeah, football without fans isn't the same, but obviously that game means everything. Um, it meant a hell of a lot more again, though, as always, because the result the result mattered from a league position point of view, not just from a bragging rights point of view. It was important to keep that, that momentum going, that momentum moving forward, and both sides came into it knowing that what a win would have meant, but probably in the back of their minds as well, going a draw wouldn't be the worst result in the world. Um Real shame for this one. Obviously, Yates missed out after his man of the match performance. 
at Rotherham, missed out through injury. So Garner came back in, um, Ribeiro in for Bong, um, which is not a surprise, I think, given the nature of this match versus the Rotherham match. We surprised slightly that the, the, the front four remained the same, that they didn't change it up there. I suppose the big question mark was Glenn Murray in terms of how he'd fare, obviously, after playing um, 60 minutes against Blackburn, 75 against Rotherham. Um, that's a lot of football in a week for, for Glenn Murray. Are you surprised that there weren't changes on the wings as well? Well, I think Glenn Murray was all about... It was all about game management, this one, weren't it? And I think... He brings a, le- a level head and an experience that that some of the other options don't. But um, I mean, in terms of the wings, I, I would say probably the only I'd, I thought Anthony Knockhart was always going to be really up for this one, and obviously we'll go on to talk about his performance. But he certainly was really up for this one. Um, Kravinovic, I always thought would be involved. I suppose the only slight surprise might have been Freeman. Um, purely and simply, I didn't I didn't feel. He impressed too much in midweek. Um, I think he struggled with some aspects of the game, um, especially as we were defending for our lives near the end. There was some some little bits of play from him that um, were not good whatsoever. Um, so I'm surprised he, he potentially didn't get swapped out of this one and he didn't go for uh, Joe Lolly. Um, but I'm not. The team was kind of what I thought it would be, to be quite honest. Um, Riviera coming in. Um, I expected because um, it, it was just a very different game to that in midweek and it's good to see that we do have those options to suit those different kind of games yeah yeah it, it was a slow start this one it was uh, similar to, to Rotherham in the fact that not much happened in that kind of opening 20 minutes but Derby had a lot more of the ball I think that was kind of clear to see that Derby were Forest were quite happy that Derby have the possession of the ball and to sit tight sit compact and then obviously look to spring and, and break um, whenever they could. I mean, the first effort of the game came from obviously came from Derby. Obviously, a great save from Samba, and then a block from from Ribeiro. Obviously, Derby going mad for the penalty. Um, it was a penalty. I mean, it looked to me like it, it hit his hit his back, and obviously might have rolled up onto his arm from then. But it would have been harsh to give that as a pen. It's not a penalty in my eyes. Um, but if it was the Premier League and there was VAR, it would have been given. Yeah, I, I suppose that's, that's if it's been at the other end, we might have we, we might have a different a different take on it, let's say. But yeah, I mean that's the problem though. I mean, let's not go down the VAR rabbit hole. I mean, he's clearly trying to block it, he's turning away from the ball, he's making every effort, you, you know, he's not leading with his arm up, he's making every effort to try and stay nice and compact and keep his arm by his side. It was just an unfortunate one and, and, and I think the referee got it got it spot on, to be honest. But um yeah, like you say, VAR might have given it as a penalty another day. I mean, we were lucky that, that from the from the resulting corner, I mean, Samba came out, didn't collect, and, and obviously Knight scooped it over from six yards. That was a bit of a let off. That was that was kind of a bit of a let off. That that couple of minutes there really kind of I think woke Forrest up a bit because after that after that moment, Forrest were just in the ascendancy and really took control of the game. But I mean that was a dangerous that was a dangerous spell. Yeah, it was, but I think we have to be careful how we how we describe it. I mean, the spell they had a lot of the possession, they had a lot of the ball, um, but they didn't fret too much. I never in that twenty minutes, I never felt on edge or, or too nervous about Derby scoring. It, it, there was no pace in the game, even though they had a lot of possession, they didn't attack after attack after attack. Um, 
there wasn't much momentum from them, even though they had a lot of the ball. And they just, yeah, they did have a spell which you could have been, could say you could be wary from, but I wasn't too concerned, to be quite honest. So, yeah, I mean, they they will rue missing a couple of chances, and that's the championship. If you do miss those chances, you tend to be punished. But, um, yeah, I, I wasn't too concerned about Derby in that, that first 20. No, I mean, throughout the game, I say, I say a spell. I, just, I say a spell, I say, I, I mean, from the, from the, from the aspect that they had a lot of the ball. And, yeah, they only had, they had, they had the, the save from Samba, the, the, the hook over the bar from Knight, and that was it first half, right? Didn't have a, didn't have a single, an, another chance. Second half, they had the one that Kazim Richards put wide of the post. Obviously, they had the goal that Kazim Richards scored that we'll talk about. And then they had a chance towards the end where, um, where you know they, they could have could have nicked it through uh, for Gregory right at the end, but they didn't. They didn't. You know, Samba's not really been peppered all night. Do you know what I mean, it, it didn't have that. Go back to the atmosphere. It definitely didn't feel like a derby game because the opening exchanges. I mean, I'd, I'd suggest pretty much all the way through the first half, it was fairly passive. Um, it didn't have that tempo in terms of the way that Derby games go and it's back and forth or wave after attack, after attack, after attack. It was fairly passive in, in, in that sense. It didn't feel like a, a normal East Midlands Derby. But, I mean, after that moment, as I say, Forrest, Forrest pretty much controlled the game and, and as I say, without creating too much themselves, they had, they had a lot of the ball and were starting to move it forward quicker. They were starting to dominate in midfield. thought Cafu and Garner were excellent. Um, and really started to kind of dictate play in that first half. And then obviously Forrest get the goal on, on 36 and um, 36 minutes. And look, it was great work from, from, from Worrell, great header down, finds Garner. I mean, he shot from the edge of the box, from the edge of the 18-yard box, really had no right to go in. Um, he, he hit it straight at Marshall, and old Poppadomans has just spooned it straight into the back of the net. Um, I'm, so, I mean... Really pleased for Garner. I think he deserves that goal anyway, just for his, his performances over the last few weeks. But, I mean, what a great time to get your first senior goal, let alone not, not just Forrest's first senior goal, full stop. Um, and he'll, he'll be etched into the uh, into the Forest Derby folklore. But, yeah, great moment for him. Yeah, great moment. Like you said, I mean, there was no right for that goal to go in, but obviously he's been told that he, he needs to be more of a threat in terms of attack and, and getting goals. Um, and he took a took a shot um, and, it, and it goes in. And so that, that will give him confidence now to potentially try and take a few more opportunities and, and chances in, in the coming games as well. But, I mean, we talk about the fact that the goal shouldn't have gone in. I mean, the fact that he was able to have the space oh, to take the shot yeah. off as well. Yeah. I mean, it, Forrest before that, I think they did their possession of the ball and their attacks did feel like it had a bit more momentum and a bit more pace and a bit more energy um, and although that goal shouldn't have gone in, it, that was a good spell from, from Forrest I felt um, I mean it wasn't the highest quality and it certainly did not have the derby game feel as you said Chris but I mean it was a good spell from Forrest and I think that Garner goal was kind of deserved yeah. to be fair um so yeah i mean good good for garner um, and hopefully we'll see a bit more of that in the in the coming games as well they grew into it they, they definitely forest grew into that game and to say from that from that kind of opening 20 minutes they they for me they really dominated the game right until pretty much the very end um and it was a different type of performance to rotherham right so they still had to show the, the battling qualities because it was a local derby but they were able to get the ball down and play to play it a lot more 
obviously on a, a, a much better pitch, albeit a Pride Park pitch, but it was obviously a much better pitch than what the pitch was at, at the New York Stadium. And, and Forrest moved it in some, I mean, the second half, they, they some of the one-touch football that Forrest were playing was outstanding and they really deserved to go on and score, you know, another one, another two goals, um, which I suppose would be the only disappointment of the whole evening, right, that Forrest weren't out of sight long before the end. But, yeah, I mean, that was, you were right. I think that, that they deserved that goal. I mean, Marley Marshall was so embarrassed, he took himself off early back for our time, <laughs> faking injury. But, um, yeah, I mean, on top and at half-time, you, you fancied Forrest. You just hoped that Forrest would go on and, and kick on. I mean, after half-time, Christian Knockhart down that right-hand side. I mean, they were causing Derby all sorts of problems. Knockhart was unplayable at, at times in that second half. And, I mean, clearly his best game in a Forest shirt. And we've seen glimpses of Anthony Knockhart over the last few weeks coming into kind of form of old, if you like, and, and showing glimpses of what he's all about. But, I mean, he was a handful on Friday. I mean, he was nutmegging Derby players. He was skinning them. He was leaving two two or three players for dead, uh, flat on their arses. He, he was, I thought he was brilliant. I mean, I know Warrell got man of the match because obviously the back four stood up to it. But for me, Anthony Knockhart, was the best player in a red shirt on Friday night. Yeah, I agree. And um, you just knew he was going to be up for it. He's that kind of player and personality. Like He wants to be loved by the fans for the team he's at and there's no better game to play, to play well in than uh, than these games. And um, let's not forget, obviously, he used to play for Leicester as well. So maybe he just does have a, a dislike for Derby. Fair play to him. I like him even more. Yeah, but, um, you know, he was superb. And like you said, it goes back to that, you know, Forrest showed resilience uh, in that first half. But then it was a very different game to Rotherham in that they had to show that they had pace and, and quality on the ball as well. It was a different different kind of 90 minutes. And Knockhart kind of sums that up for Forrest, I think. He showed, um, you know, he wanted to take the game to Derby. Um, and he was having the time of his life on that wing. I think the upsetting thing for him will be that he couldn't top that off with a goal. Um, and Chris Houston probably would think, you know, you, you went back to it, you know, that we should have had another goal, whether that be from knockout or not. Um, and I think the other annoying thing is that we don't seem to quite have that same partnership and and same kind of quality on the left-hand side at this moment in time. Mm. Um, whether that's be because we're changing the left back and the left winger up a lot more than we are on that right-hand side. We don't seem to have that same threat down the left. So I'm sure that's something that Chris Hewton will want to address. But knockout, yeah, superb, superb. It's interesting that that right-hand side, though, isn't it? Because we sat here last last Sunday recording this and we talked about Christian knockout being at odds with each other. Defensively, sometimes, not always on the same wavelength. And knockout, I think, against Blackburn, wasn't he was at sixes and sevens from a defensive point of view, and, and Christian Knockhart were not seeing eye to eye last weekend. And the two games we've played this week defensively have been sound, but going forward, that partnership is really, really coming in into its own. They understand, as you say, they are playing more consistently together down that right hand side. Christie, I think, has played in every league game, uh, for Forest this season. And just some of the interchange and some of the play that, that that was happening. There was a couple of back. There was I think there was a back heel from like a one two, a little back heel from Knockhart that laid Christie in. Christie got a couple of cracking balls into the box. Kind of one one was so good it evaded everyone. Um, the second one was obviously found Garner who, who could only head straight at the keeper. But 
they were having some real joy uh, down that down that right hand side. And fair play to both of them. I mean, I just want to mention Christie because we, we tweeted after the Rotherham game that um, he was outstanding. And actually, look, we, we've we've criticised Cyrus Christie quite a bit this this season. Um, so I think it's only fair that we give credit where it's due. And as I say, Rotherham, he was outstanding. I think on, on Friday night again, he he was outstanding. And you know, if he can keep that form form up for for Forest and say he's doing something right because he, he he's the consistent uh, name on the team sheet week in week out. Um, we'll kind of we'll see where we get to at the end of the season. It was always going to be a hard uh, role to fill um, with obviously Cashy departing and whoever came in was going to be under the spotlight, if you like. But in recent weeks, he, he started to really make that you know. He's really started to come into his own and, and, and kind of make that partnership with, with, with Knockart. So, I mean, yeah. Call, call me a cynic. Call me a cynic. But it's almost as if the story broke about the fact he's out of contract. At the oh. And there's not been as much interest in him as he would have hoped. And no one's going to pay him as much as Forrest thought. Oh. So, you know. Oh, I think you've got to give him <laughs> some, some credit on one of that, Tommy Cynic. But no, I mean, fair play to him. He's. Um, he has had a good. He has had a good couple of weeks. So uh, let's let's hope that let's hope that continues. For, I mean, Forrest carried on, didn't they? It was kind of it wasn't almost wave after wave, but they definitely had more of the ball and more of the the chances. Which is a good header from from Warrell from from a from a set piece that I mean wasn't really cleared off the line as you such, but it was cleared away from from the dane, from danger. Freeman obviously had a chance that he probably should have done better with. Um, they were, you know, it was all it was all for his second half, right up until that last five minutes, and uh, we're all kicking the teeth because, as you said earlier, Tom, I didn't really feel at any at any point in any danger. I was almost kind of just willing Forrest on to go and get the second goal. It, I suppose, in that sense, it had flashes back to the game last year at Pride Park, where we were one up for so long in the game and and had some real good chances in that one to put the game to bed. And thinking back to the Myson chance. Last year, and it and it had it had a little bit of a resemblance to that. Um, obviously, not as late on in the game this time around that the equaliser came, but a, a, a fortuitous way that it came about. Anyway, obviously, Figueredo, um failed to kind of clear the ball away. It kind of bounced up, and Kazim Richards hit it on the half volley. I mean, Samba had no chance. To be fair. It was an absolute. I mean, it was a cracking finish. You, you, you got to, even though he's a derby player, you got to give him a little bit of credit. It was a cracking finish, but harsh on Figueredo. He, I think he, again another player that we've criticised quite a bit on the pod, but he's had a really good few weeks as well, forming a partnership with Warrell. It was an error, but it was an unfortunate error. And and look, Hinderham ball in this one as well. If we go back to the Ribeiro one at the start, the ball clearly kind of bounces up and hits his hand. Um, again, you've seen them given, but I guess I probably would have been would have been a harsh one. Yeah, I mean, there's a few things there in terms of things you just mentioned, Chris. I think um, you know I'm going to probably slightly contradict myself here, but but I didn't feel um, as if the the goal that earned Derby a point was unjust. If you if you get what I mean, I mean. I didn't feel out of the two teams. Forrest will probably say they were slightly the stronger, um, but to be quite honest, I thought the point was fair, in my opinion, um, because Forrest scored when Derby were on top. You would say Forrest then went on a good spell of, of dominance, 
Um, and then Derby did pick up towards the end of that second half and scored probably when Forest were on top. So it was um, it was a weird game really all round. I didn't feel it was an unjust goal in terms of the goal. Um, I mean, Figueiredo. I kind of felt felt the, the commentators were being slightly harsh on him. I felt um, the ball that comes up, it's bouncing. It's a difficult one to deal with. Um, and Kazim Richards just takes the shots. And it's a, it's a brilliant finish, to be fair to him. Um, but I, I did... And, and look, Figueiredo's playing at the Championship for a reason. I, I've been a massive critic of Figueiredo. But I think the last few weeks, he's definitely upped his game. Um, but he's in the Championship because there is those mistakes still still in him like like every defender that's in the championship really joe worrell for me you know gave away a stupid free kick um you know kind of similar to to that game at pride park last year on the on the right hand side uh unneeded for, for and derby really good at, at set pieces we know that so that had worrying signs of an, an air of danger. Mm, definitely, yeah. But that had worrying signs. So the reason the reason they're in the championship is because they have those mistakes. I felt like it was harsh. He was he was getting pelters on online, which he's got here. It's the derby game. He's made, in my opinion, he didn't make much of a mistake. It was hard to deal with. He, he could have done and should probably should have done better. But I think you know, Hewton summed it up perfectly in his post match interview. It wasn't that that cost Forrest the game. It was the lack of taking chances uh, and being clinical that costs cost Forrest. And that's the thing, I suppose you would say. Like, well, it was, it was, there was another, there was, a, there was a chance of peace even after that for, for, for both sides to, to take all three points. And, and yeah, neither, neither side were, were that clinical. But I think for Forrest's point of view, they will feel, they will be disappointed. They will feel that that was probably two points dropped and a chance to, to claim a, a victory at Pride Park. But I suppose if you were... If you were being, you know, picking out the negatives, they've not really made the keeper work enough, have they? With all the, you know, the chance that they had and the possession that they had, they probably they didn't force enough saves from the goalkeeper, and that'll be something that that I mean, we're all aware of it. It's happened, kind of, you know, that's probably is Forest Achilles' heel, if you like, at the minute. Um, but you know, they are creating chances and, and you feel that at some point that it's going to click and, and Forrest will, will take more of those chances. Um, it was two points dropped, arguably. I think it's a good point, right? It, 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 you'd have said beforehand, if you'd have offered, if you'd have offered us a point, we'd have probably taken it. It, it, it keeps, you know, it, it keeps them at bay. It, it just keeps the momentum going. And I think it was a, you know, I, I think it was a, a, a good point. As, as Joe Warrell said, look, it, we weren't playing Barcelona, we were playing Derby, but the progress under Chris Hewton, and we say it almost every week, I think, but the progress under Chris Hewton and even the, the progress from Blackburn through to the Rotherham, through to Derby, even in the space of a week, you can see the team is improving by every game. And I think that's the thing we've got to keep in sight, isn't it? It's uh, Yes, we need results, but the way that Forest are going about their business and treating each game on an individual basis and playing the conditions, playing the team in front of them, um, and doing it to, to you know with some relative success, um, we've got to keep that in mind and keep the focus on getting through this season and then seeing what Chris Hughes can do with whichever team or squad he assembles for next year. But I mean, the progress is clearly there for everyone to see. Yeah, and I think. You know, it was a game which both teams didn't want to lose. I think you could see that quite easily in the first half. It's almost as if 
Um, it was two teams that were kind of watching each other's strengths, knew each other's strengths, didn't want to give any ground on, um, you know, taking taking advantage of those strengths. Um, and it was to, it was a game which both teams felt like for you know to ensure that they don't go on a downward spiral in this last last run of games of the season, they didn't want to lose, and you could definitely see that. The second half had a bit more bite bite to it um but still not enough not not for a derby game um so yeah i mean it was an important point and it's a good four points across mm. the week i think although forest fans will be annoyed it could have been six um it was a good four points and forest got three points in the one that for their league for the league table they got three points in the most important one in my eyes in terms of the one you want to win for for obvious reasons obviously you you do want to win that derby one more but but for the league table, that Rotherham one was more important to get three points. And the one thing I really enjoyed from both games, um, including this Derby one, this Derby game, I think Forrest have man-managed the game better than Derby across the whole last few games we've played them. Um, they, they seem to manage and, and not let the occasion get to them. Um, as much as sometimes the Derby players do. And although the results haven't always been the three points that Forrest want, whether that be because of a silly mistake, which it has been the last two times at Pride Park, um, you know, they generally manage the games a lot better than, than Derby have. And, and that's what we've seen this week from Chris Hewton on, on in midweek against Rotherham. Um, and for different reasons against Derby, they are managing games and look like a team that know how to manage full 90 a lot better than some of the other teams in this division, which is... Yeah, definitely. Look, we, we did an episode earlier on in the season where we talked about, as a team, we, we questioned them, right, didn't we? we? We questioned whether it was a team. It looked like 11 individuals on the pitch and there was no cohesion, there was no team spirit, there was no fighting for each other. And, and we, we, you know, we were a bit damning at that stage in terms of what the prospects were for the season and, and how things might play out. And, and that Chris Hewton at that that stage has a real big job because it just it just wasn't working. I think the most pleasing thing is, is where we are now in terms of the progress that we have made over the last couple of months is that we, we, we're we now a team that is, it is hard to break down. It looks like everyone's fighting for each other. Everyone's fighting for the cause. And I think more importantly, it's a team that you can now identify with, right? All you want as a fan is is you want to be able to identify with the, with the team that and the squad that is kind of put out on that pitch week in week out. And as I say, it didn't feel like that. And you know, there's a whole host of reasons why it didn't feel like that. It it, it did just feel like eleven individuals going out there and, and you know and trying to to muster something up. But now you can clearly see that Chris Hughton has stamped an identity on this team. And and as fans, you know, you can you can um, you can identify with that and. and it's it's you know the team is it's really pleasing in terms of, of of how they're going about their business and 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 long may it continue and I think look this week has set them up for the running I mean let's hope they can continue to build on what has been an important run of games over the last few weeks because um, if they can do that and finish the season in in a in a good in a good state and a good spell and really set them up for next season that that's kind of really what we want to see. It's a busy week again coming up. Obviously, another two games. We've got a midweek uh, game as well, and then it kind of quietens down a, a, a touch. Um, give, give us a rundown, Tom, for the week ahead. Oh, yeah, no worries. So, after a positive week for Forest, we enter another new week with two more games. So, this time, 
in the form of Luton on Tuesday at 7.45, available on the Sky Red button or by Forest Play. And then at the early kickoff on Saturday, 12.30, so make sure you're, you're alive and, and awake uh, early doors on Saturday um, as they take on Watford at Vicarage Road, live on Sky Sports Football as the main game. So first off, there is Luton at the City Ground on Tuesday night. They've won two of the last five, most recently coming from 2-0 down to Wednesday on, on Saturday um, and winning the game 3-2. So they'll be full of confidence after coming back in that one. Um, they look like they were dragging themselves into a relegation battle, um, but they they came back in that and will be chuffed a bit. So last time we met back in uh, midweek in October at Kenilworth Road, it was a 1-1 stalemate when uh, Ianu got sent off on the stroke of half-time. And in that game, they set up as a 3-4-2-1. That is the only game they've set up that way, though. So they do change their shape a fair bit. But in the last two games, they have set up as a 3-5-2 with Tom Ince and Adebayo leading the line. Uh, they usually set up in a 4-1-4-1 with James Collins leading the line, the pace of Harry Cornick and Moncur out a ride. And then Glenn Rea, who scored both for and against Luton in the last fixture, playing as that anchor in midfield. So to sum up, <laughs> we could have anything. Uh, we what we do know though is that they do have pace and threat out wide, and it's likely going to mean that Forest fullbacks will need to support. Otherwise, they could have an absolute horrid day. So I suppose the way to sum up Luton would be consistently inconsistent. They've been described as having a Jekyll and Hyde season. When they're bad, they're awful, but they always seem to bounce back. And Luton's away form isn't the greatest. They've lost nine and drawn two of their sixteen away games so far. And Forest are unbeaten in their last three home games. Scoring first could be key in this one. We know Forest have won most games when scoring first this season. Um, Luton before Saturday had lost all nine games when tra- tra- trailing at half time. Can't get my words out. Um, but obviously they did come back in that in that game against Sheffield Wednesday over the weekend. So Luton's strengths come from protecting their leads and playing with width. But their weaknesses come from defending counter-attacks and wide attacks as they tend to leave their full-backs exposed. So it'll be a game dictated by wide players and a show of pace. Maybe one for, for Alex Martin to potentially uh, show what he can do. What's your yeah, Luton are an interesting side. I must admit, yesterday I was uh, I was doing other things and it's kind of keeping an eye on the scores coming in. I couldn't quite believe it when um, I heard that Wednesday were 2-0 up at Luton at half-time and then didn't bother really checking in again until full time. I started watching the rugby and then obviously saw that Luton had won 3 2 as a hell of a comeback. Um, you just wonder what that's taken out of them, second half, as I say, um, to fight the way back, cracking was all, and, and really just shows again kind of their team spirit, if you like, and their, uh, the way they go about things. Um, tricky game. I, I fancy Forrest to go on and win this one. Um, I fancy Forrest to go on and win this one 2 0. Uh, I think we'll have it. We'll, we'll we'll have an extra day's rest on Luton. I think at home, in the form we're in, in the confidence we're in, um, I think Forest will will probably just have in, enough for Luton. But yeah, you say getting that early goal will be crucial. Um, but like, yeah, I'm going to go two 0 Forest. I'm going to go Anthony Knockhart's going to bag one. I think he's due one. Yeah, it'd be good for him to get one, wouldn't it? I mean, I'm going to go two one. Um, and I think, you know, it would be really good to top off the last week, um, get seven points out of nine, 
from the last three, if, when including that Luton game, would be uh, a great outcome, I think, wouldn't it? So I'm going to go 2-1 Forest. I'm confident we'll win here as well. Um, and then we head to Vicarage Road. So we have we play Watford live on Sky, 12.30 on Saturday, as I said before. Watford have won four of their last five games. Um, their winning streak coming to an end on Saturday as they lost to Bournemouth. Um, before they play, they take on Wickham in midweek. So it's a good opportunity to make it five wins in six for them and continue the promotion push as they currently sit third in the table. Last time out, back in December, the game ended 0-0 at the City ground in what was a pretty drab affair, I think it's fair to say. Forest have only beaten Watford once in the last nine occasions. On the other hand, Chris Hewton's record against Watford is pretty strong, in fairness. He's he's faced Watford 11 times as a manager. He's only lost two of those, winning five, drawing four. So let's hope he can inspire Forrest in what on the surface of it seems like it might be a difficult day at the office. In the last few games, they've lined up as a 4-3-3 with Will Hughes, Tom Cleverley and ex-Forrest Loney, Nathaniel Chalaber in midfield. And João Pedro and Ismail Assar and Ken Semmer leading the attack. Forest, uh, Forest, Watford sit top of the table for home games in the Championship. Winning 12 of them, they've scored in 94% of their own matches this season and are incredibly clinical. They are another side that rely on width and pace with Saar and Semmer, a huge handful again for Forest defences to deal with. And, and I suspect Hewton might decide that sitting in and grinding out across the 90 might be the best way to approach this one. Watford will look to dominate possession in this, so it's going to be up to Forrest to kind of hit them when they can and find those right moments. What's your thoughts on this one, Chris? It looks like it could be a difficult day at the office, but we said that about Swan. Yeah, I don't know if I'm right in saying this, but I think I I read somewhere yesterday that because of uh, the game yesterday that Chalaber and Jao Pedro missed the game against us uh, next weekend. I might be wrong, might have misread that. Um, look on paper, this is this is a tough game, right? This is a this is a really difficult game. Um, Watford under another managerial change this season, midway through. Not that we're one to 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 criticise managerial changes. Um, if they've really done well, uh, and albeit yesterday was a real tricky one away to Bournemouth and only lost that narrowly, you you would think they would pick up a win against Wickham midweek before they play us. I would. The, the, you were right as well. The, the game in December was. I think you're being fair, calling it drab. It was awful. Um, but I'd take an awful nil-nil again for this one. I think this one might be a bit, bit, bit too much for Forest. I think Watford to say they'll be on the ascendancy if they win midweek against what, uh, Wickham, and then come into this one with early kickoff chance to really put pressure on on the those around them. Um, I think Forest might lose this one narrowly. Um, I'm going to go for a. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Watford, unfortunately. Look, you know, Watford Watford aren't, you know, unbeatable. QPR did go away to Vicarage Road a few weeks back and, and win. Um, in saying that, I'm going to predict Forrest to There's a big build-up there for, uh, for, for, for grooming. I mean, uh, <laughs> nope. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to go 2-0 um, Watford, I think. Right, let's wrap that up there then, Tom, after a successful week. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, you can email us at outlook.com. Or if you want to give us a follow on Twitter or give us some stick on Twitter, follow us on at timeaddedonpod. See you next week, guys. You read.